I might get really clear on like what an ideal outcome would look like. Like I would get in my head what the best case scenario would be. And then I try and move the conversation in that direction. Because sometimes what we do is we go in with all of our fears and all of the big shadows on the walls of how badly it could go. And then inadvertently, we amplify the possibility of that. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Yvette Erasmus, and welcome to another episode of Conversations from the Heart. You are in the right place if you are longing to use words in authentic, kind, and direct ways to connect more deeply and to make a meaningful and positive impact on the world at home and at work. Do you want to have a new kind of conversation with both yourself and others? Let's dive in. We are going to begin with Pre-Rana. And Pre-Rana, you asked me this question last week and it came up again this week and I'm delighted to see it. So are you willing to chat with me? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Hello. So your question is, I'm struggling with understanding where to draw the line on receiving validation. How much approval should one seek? I don't know. Tell me more. What, what are you struggling with? So I write poetry and I sing and a lot of these like a lot of times I feel the need to post these things online and I feel the need to express myself and I want people to see me. But I've heard and I've to been told that seeking validation and approval is bad. So I've convinced myself so much of that that I've stopped expressing myself. And every time I feel the need to do something like sing or play my guitar, I don't feel motivated anymore because I'm always like, I don't need to do this because it's for validation. Uh, so I really feel demotivated. Okay. That's... So I see it a little differently. Let me let me tell you a little bit of how I see it and then you tell me what fits or doesn't fit and, and we can sort of figure it out together, okay? If you are a poet, a writer, an artist, a creative in some way, then I would assume... And now this is my worldview. So again, if it doesn't fit for you, so transplant anything in here, different words, whatever that fits for you. But I would think of it as you know what the work is that your inner being wants to express in this world. And that work, whatever your work is, the, the work that is energizing and moving into you, through you, out of you, that feels like inspired, energizing expression. That is, I would think of that as your soul's expression of what you're here to do. And anything that blocks that and inhibits that is going to feel demotivating. You're going to have apathy. You're going to feel depressed. You're going to feel inhibited. There's going to create a lot of inner conflict because there's something in you that is innately a gift that you have for humanity. And not expressing it is going to be a form of self-harm and also harm to the world because it's denying a gift that other people are meant to benefit from. I'm going to pause there and ask you, how does that idea land before I go any further? I think too deep. Even now I'm thinking, how is my, you don't have to answer that. It's just, I'm thinking, how is yeah, yeah, my no. talent, any gift to the world? Like, it's yes. some, something that I enjoy. Yes. So, Yes, 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 yes. It's something that you enjoy. And so you're like, wait, how does something that I enjoy, how is that a gift to the world? Like that just feels like way too much responsibility and heaviness. And so there's some doubt that comes up in you questioning that. Am I getting that piece right? Yeah, yeah. Great, 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 great. So then throw that piece away about it being a gift to the world. And let's think instead about an interdependent ecosystem. And that for an ecosystem to function well, every aspect of that ecosystem needs to play a particular role. Hmm. We need mushrooms, we need birds, we need the worms that aerate the soil, we need the insects that pollinate the flowers, we need the rabbits that you know are part of that cycle of life. Every animal in that ecosystem has a contribution for a healthy ecosystem. Would you agree with that or not? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the collection of humans on this planet, each, in my opinion, function like an ecosystem. And we all have different ways of expressing who we are that are inherently a contribution to one another. What do you think about that? Right. That makes sense. 
okay, one of the reasons we get depressed is when we're not fulfilling whatever it is that our contribution is meant to be. This is what you see in a lot of the self-help literature about like living from your authentic self, living from like, who are you meant to be? And in a domination culture, that can get very toxified as how are you going to be a useful object to a capitalistic system or to a different kind of um, system that is not caring for the well-being of all people? And so we can get kind of confused. And in those systems, we can also get a lot of training that some cultures will say, well, don't, don't think too much of yourself. You know, the tallest poppy gets cut first, this, this idea. And in other mm-hmm. systems, um, other worldviews, it's like only seek out your own well-being. Like it's pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which, by the way, I realize is not the right. And I realize the history of that phrase, but we'll get into that another day. Um, but it's like this rugged individualism that, the, that you win at the game by collecting the most just for you and not caring about what other people think and not caring about how other people react to you, right? And right. so in some ways, this dilemma that you're bringing up today is your individual experience of all of these different things clashing inside of you. You've heard, mm-hmm. don't seek approval, don't seek validation, but you also feel a desire to really express something and a real enjoyment of something and a wanting to share it. And I wonder if there's a place where you get to share what you enjoy and enjoy when that is also enjoyed by other people. Could that be a good thing? Yes. Would you say that that's something that that we shouldn't seek out? No. Okay. So maybe the difference as we're talking about this, is in the intention behind which I'm offering it. Hmm. If I'm offering my poetry because I am attached to everybody loving it because my self-esteem and my self-worth is dependent on other people giving me a good evaluation of my work, that might actually kick up a lot of suffering. Hmm. Maybe that's a piece of what some of those warnings are trying to point to. Whereas if I express what's coming alive in me, my poetry, my artistry, what it is that I'm wanting to create and offer the world, and I enjoy the process of offering that, and other people are enjoying the process of interacting with and nourished by the ideas, the visuals, whatever it is, that sweet spot is a place where both people benefit. Would you agree or not? Right. So hearing it that way, what comes up for you next? I think I, it's, it's not easy to not want validation. Mm-hmm. All of us want validation. Yes. So maybe I could want less of that and focus on more of what I love and bring a balance between both. I love that. And, yeah. I balance. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where your mind takes you next is sort of like, how can I both enjoy the thing that wants to be expressed through me and enjoy it when other people enjoy my work? And I'm now adding a piece that maybe you're not saying, and let go of the fact that not everybody needs to love it. Right. And as I balance myself with those things all being okay, does it sit differently in you? Yes. What else comes up around this for you? I I think that's it. It's more or less about I hear a lot of things, I see a lot of things, and I start believing those things. Yeah. And I keep my own values aside and I start living on others' philosophies. So that's some that's something I have to work on. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of principles just to play with that. What if every philosophy fits in some way at some time? It's just that every philosophy isn't appropriate for every situation. But every idea is attempting to solve a problem. Like this idea of like, don't rely on the validation of other people. It's not good to seek approval. We could think of that as a teaching in do your work because you love it and because it's meaningful to you and let your trust in your own inner creative process be stronger than your need for good judgments from other people. 
that might be an interesting principle to try to live by, right? Like detaching from the need for everybody else to have a good judgment of us, which is how a domination system tends to oppress us. That's where oppression often comes from in the sort of garden variety oppression. We're taught that our goodness is dependent on everybody else liking us and thinking good things of us. And that the most dangerous thing that can happen to a person is for somebody else to have a bad judgment of them. And then the flip side is the bad thing about you is wanting that thing, right? We can get very trapped in all of these ways that we all try to control and coerce one another. So maybe just seeing through some of that can be helpful as well and saying, yeah, I care about what people think, but I'm not dependent on what people think. I enjoy approval and validation, but I'm not dependent on approval and validation. It's not the highest thing that drives me. How does that land? Yeah, that that makes sense. Okay, great. Well, I love how you came all by yourself to the value of balance because that seems like the sweet spot for you right now. Yeah, it's like I know things inside, but sometimes you just need somebody else to say it mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, or for somebody else to say all the things that are not quite it and then you suddenly say it and then we can both ground in. That's the thing, you had it. Right, right. Yes, lovely. Good. Is that complete or is there more on this? No, that's that's complete. Wonderful. I'm going to take clarifying questions and comments on this piece. Michelle? Yeah, I was just going to say, for me, sometimes I notice that there are there's like more than one motivation. And, mm. you know, like part of me is wanting that validation and part of me knows that this is coming from deep inside. And sometimes it helps when I can just really notice afterwards if I don't get it or I get the opposite from what I was hoping for, that to feel it, to really feel the pain and really go back and recognize how, you know, I really wanted to be seen and heard or whatever. It's been so important in my life and mm -hmm. and just see that I'm learning how to get more of that from myself, but it's still very painful when I don't get it or I get the opposite. And it can be really painful, but feeling it and being with it and understanding it helps me to move on and little by little be able to move more into the intention that I would prefer. Yeah, so, I love that. I love that, Michelle. Can I springboard off of that a little bit? Would that feel sure. okay to you? So I think what you're bringing in, and this is another angle, a little bit that, you know, I'll relates to this point. The need to be seen and heard is a universal human need. There's nothing wrong with that. The desire for pleasurable and enjoyable reciprocal connections with one another is a universal human need. There is nothing wrong with that desire. These Your, your universal human needs are a form of wisdom and guidance in your system. If you have a deep need for self-expression, that is moving through you, that is a form of wisdom as I see it. If you have a desire to offer something and um, your hope is that somebody else is contributed to that and they light up by this, that is one of the best feelings that a human can have. Marshall Rosenberg used to talk a lot about how when you do something for somebody else that they are not expecting out of you, you imagine something that they would love and you do it for them and they didn't expect it and they are so delighted. You feel a huge amount of delight alongside that. That is interdependence. You know, the, the place we're looking for is where giving and receiving are the same thing. My giving to you and your receiving from me makes it difficult to know who, who's actually benefiting because we're both benefited by this act. Those are the actions that we're looking for. So the wisdom of the universal human needs is they're coming through us. That's really, really an important place for us to ground in some self-trust and to feel. This is where your feelings can be a guidance about when you're on course or off course. Because if you have a deep need for self-expression and you have a protective strategy that is stifling and inhibiting yourself, then you are going to start feeling depressed right? Or some version of a feeling that is less pleasant. And that feeling is designed to tell you 
about your alignment with the needs that are coming up in you. So that would be one way of thinking about it through a nonviolent relational frame. When those things are happening in the context of a domination system where the game is right, wrong, up, down, power, no power, in control, not in control, good people, bad people, when that context is surrounding this action, we can develop a relationship with our human needs, our motivational energies, that leads us to become suspicious and mistrusting of them. And when we think that only one person or one strategy can meet that need, we bring to our universal needs consciousness a dependency. And when we're operating from our universal needs as a dependency, what comes across to the other person is a little bit of urgency and tension and demand. And when another person thinks that they have to meet your need in a particular way, that takes the joy out of the interaction. And that's where it becomes problematic. It is in the dependency of a particular person or a particular strategy being the only way that that need can get met. So for example, if I write a poem and I'm not going to be okay unless you love my poem, that's where we're having suffering. Michelle, I want to come back to you because I was riffing off of something you were saying. Because I think what you're saying there, and correct me if I'm wrong, is in those cases, if you can feel into the feelings and really mourn the needs and let the feelings metabolize, you found that really helpful. Am I getting that right? Correct me. What, what do you want to say about that? Yeah, that definitely is a big part of it. But I think sometimes it's just really around just recognizing that like really wanting to be able to give from the heart because it's just inherently there. But some other part that really just wants to be seen and heard. And so that's just, I don't know. I just, I just think that sometimes getting something other than what I really was hoping to get can just bring up a lot of pain and, and sitting with that pain brings a lot of clarity an understanding of what I might not have been able to see as to why I was doing doing what I was doing and, and helps me move to a different place. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So like whatever the experience is, it sounds like you're saying when you can settle into your inner being's experience and honoring the feelings that are moving through you and harvesting any of the learnings and the complexities that might be arising, you can find a way of making that a meaningful and nourishing experience. Is that true? Yeah, that's very true. And just that whole hindsight thing is yeah. um, really powerful for me. And it's it's helping me to, you know, just understand old patterns and see, yeah. you know, how things that have been unconscious become a little more conscious the more I'm able to harvest whatever it is that I'm feeling and the uncomfortable feelings that come up when I don't get something that I want. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Good. Okay. Let's move to Mika. Hi, Mika. Are you willing to chat with me? I am. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Shall I read your question? Yes. (laughs) Great. I made what I thought was a reasonable request of my therapist during a recent session. Yay for you. And she shut the idea down. Hmm, I have questions. I went into pod fawning, pod dissociation, unable to advocate for my needs. How can I go about bringing the topic back up with her and using the situation as a growth opportunity? It may mean I need to find a new therapist, but I'd rather not. Excellent. I love the fact that you're going to try and work this through with your therapist. That is like such a powerful move. So what else do I need to know? What do you want to say? What are you playing with? One of the things that that comes up is, um, I don't know if it's kind of like a transference kind of thing, maybe, or maybe it's just me being human and picking up on whatever her resistance to feedback or collaboration. I don't know. But there was a guy that I was dating last year who had a really hard time when I came to him with some kind of conflict or issue or something about my needs. (laughs) And so it triggered just reminders of that, which of course is really, really old childhood stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was already really reluctant going into the conversation because I had asked her a couple of years, a few years ago, 
for a roadmap. And she didn't want to, at that time, I didn't understand anything about my needs and I just trusted her judgment. And that was more or less okay, but I have a lot more awareness now and I know what isn't, isn't working in session and things that have worked in other areas, but I still have this for one fear of now bringing it definitely after that, bringing it back up. And yeah, also fear of having to change to a new therapist and have someone get to know me and all that stuff. Are you willing to tell me what you're asking for that she's saying no to? Oh, yeah. I asked <laughs> I asked if we could, I think I used, the, I used the word treatment plan, if we could come up with a treatment plan. I really just wanted a loose, flexible roadmap because what normally happens is I just come in plop down, start talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. It's just very rambly, the whole session. And we don't use any clear, obviously clear to me, methods for what's happening. Um, and it's it just, I don't feel like I get as much as I could. Okay. And is that how you said that to her? She didn't give me a chance to explain all of it. Oh. I, I did say was I did a lot of reflecting over the uh, winter break and these are some issues that I have and I really would like to focus on some things. There's some things I know we can't do all of these right now. These are the top things that are on my mind. Can you help me figure out which one we should focus on first and create a roadmap for the next few months? Mm -hmm. That's what I said. And how did she respond? She said, which I agree, the things that I brought up were all related and I don't, I really couldn't understand what her logic was for why she was saying no. And probably part of that was because I was so shocked. I mean, part of me expected that there was going to be resistance, but I think maybe when that resistance happened, I shut down. And so I really didn't understand any of the logic as to why a flexible roadmap didn't seem feasible. Got it. Like, it really wasn't anything clear to me. Got it. So one possible next step would be to tell her exactly what you've just told me. It would be something like, I think what I'm hearing you say is something like, you know, over the holidays, last session when we met, I was trying to ask for something that I needed. And then I think you responded by explaining blah, 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 whatever that is. And in that moment, I noticed myself shutting down and going quiet and deferring. Like I, you know, whatever I would, I would describe that moment to her. And then I would say, you know, I've been thoughtful around what might have been happening. One theory that I'm having is there may be some transference stuff going on if that's how she works with that material. And it also reminded me a little bit of the ways in which I would ask for things of my mother or whoever it was, and then be told no. And I, I want to bring this up with you because I'd like a new experience around that. And I'm, I'm confused. I'm not sure, is there something wrong with what I'm asking for? Is it not how you work? I, I'm interpreting, rightly or wrongly, some resistance from you in having a treatment plan. Is that true? What was your experience of that moment? How do you understand it? I really want to dig down into what is happening in the interaction between you and me, both last week and today right now. Can you help me understand? How does an approach like that feel for you? It feels a little scary only because I'm, I'm picturing like body language and things like that. that I'm just that kind of set my nervous system, like made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yep. But it sounds right. <laughs> like that's what I'd like to be able to say calmly and assertively. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm hearing it's scary. It will take some courage, but there's also something about it that's resonating for you. Yeah. Okay. I'm imagining the, the pushback, kind of a, maybe she's fixated on what my, some of my issue is of like not having self-compassion as we, we've talked about many times before. Um, and so somehow she, she keeps going back to that. And I'm like, I know that's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's something that we're going to continue to work on, but that's not the issue that we're having right now. What would it be like if she said to you, all right, Mika, I think this is what I'm hearing from you. You would like us to spend a little bit of time getting some goals and some structure and some road mapping 
into the work that we're doing so that you can have a clearer sense of when and how we're making progress. Is that what you're asking for? Is it something different? Yes. Yeah. I don't know where we're going. I kind of have an idea of where I want to go, but I also want her help because I'm sure there's things that she understands about me that I don't maybe understand yet. Right. She may already have a roadmap in her mind that she doesn't want to divulge to me. Um, but I need <laughs> okay. more collaboration, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's more calming to my system mm-hmm. to have us both, you know, on board with what's aware of what's going on. I love that. As a therapist myself, if a client of mine said that to me, I would love that. I would love that. I need to sign up. No? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this is like, so listen, I don't know this person and I want to acknowledge that there are a wide variety of ideologies and treatment models and philo- philosophical orientations that therapists might be operating from, some of which are really effective for different kinds of people and different kinds of things that we're working with. So I, I, I don't think any of them are necessarily bad or good. I would be thinking in terms of, is it matching what it is that I'm needing? And can we get there if it isn't? So that's just my sort of like disclaimer I think it's important for you as a client, if something isn't working for you in therapy, part of this, and now this is my philosophical orientation, so I really want to be clear about that. Your therapist may not have this orientation. I don't know. But mine would be that um, our job in therapy is to help you become the most inner, peaceful, authentic, and empowered version of yourself the most healed and empowered and clear and self-connected, open-hearted, honest, kind person, version of yourself that is possible. And I would assume as a therapist that part of what will happen in your journey to becoming that is that you will need to question my authority because that is the safest place for you to find that voice and for you to come in and push back on me as authority figure in order to work through whatever authority issues are keeping you inhibited in your life and that I would be the safest person for you to do that work with. And it would be like a a, a sign of like celebration. Oh my goodness, we're moving into a new stage of therapy. Bring it on. Yes. Tell me, what do you need? What isn't working? How would you fix me? How would you do it differently? Like that can be a really, really generative stage of therapy in certain philosophical orientations. And not every therapist likes that or will work that way. So I don't know, you know. But I share that with you only because from the outside and the little bit that I see from the outside, I would encourage you not to doubt the thing you're asking for and the thing that you're trying to have a conversation about. How does that feel? Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of doubt. I mean, it just seems like a, such a reasonable request that there's not that much doubt. <laughs> Great. Um, but I'm wondering how I can, like, to prep for the conversation, it's, we don't have another session for another two weeks. What would you suggest that I do? Um, like some visualizing, writing it out, what I want to say. Like, what would you suggest that I do to prep my nervous system for it? Ooh, to prep your nervous system, I do a lot of muscle relaxation, a lot of deep breathing, a lot of reminding my body that it's safe now. Um, I might be reminding myself that I am paying a provider for a service. And I have a right to give them feedback about what is and isn't working for me and to ask them to help me understand so that we can make some agreements on how we're going to move forward. I might be telling myself, this is really a part of my therapy is me learning to and giving myself permission to speak truth to power. And of course, it's scary. And of course, I feel vulnerable. And maybe this is a risk that I'm willing to take. If that's true, if it's not a risk you're willing to take, we can have a different conversation. But if it is a a risk you're willing to take, it's a worthy one. And I might get really clear on like what an ideal outcome would look like. Like I would get in my head what the best case scenario would be. And then I try and move the the conversation in that direction. Because sometimes what we do is we go in with all of our fears and all of the big shadows on the walls of how badly it could go. And then inadvertently, we amplify the possibility of that. So if we want to amplify the possibility of it going as well as possible, then I want to play that out in my mind. What does as good as possible look like and feel like? And I'm going to go in almost assuming that that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah. And then I'm like, that's so okay. counter to my <laughs> intuition. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Be prepared. <laughs> Do that as well. Do that as well. It's there. They, they both fit. They both fit. You know, think of all the possible uh, ways that this person could push back or turn things around on you. You know, many of us have had experiences with authority figures that claim an expertise and then continue making you the problem. And that is especially a vulnerable place in a therapeutic relationship because you're literally showing up as, quote unquote, the, the identified problem and the other person as the solution to your problem. That frame is problematic, but we won't go into that today. But that is very much what happens for a lot of people. And you're asking for that to come into awareness and be shifted a little bit. And you're asking for more clarity and you're asking for more information about how do I know when I'm getting better. And again, I don't know enough about the whole situation, but sometimes, you know, as what has happened to me as a therapist is sometimes a client will come in and they really want symptom, a symptom to be relieved. Like they want the ruminating thoughts to stop and they want us to go after rumination and what am I going to do about the rumination? And I want to know exactly what to do and there are instances where you can address rumination that way. And there are many, many instances where the rumination is a symptom of a deeper thing. And actually, if we go after the symptom, it's just going to change form into something else. And we want to get to the root cause. If what you're asking for, your therapist is like, yeah, that's not the root cause. She should be able to explain that to you and help you see what she's seeing. It's you not know, like that right there that you said. So yeah. she was kind of going in that direction about like, it's not that and it's layered. And, and I'm like, yeah, I know that. I'm not yeah. asking for, I'm saying, let's, this is, these are the things. Yeah. What do you think from here? But I still want a roadmap of some sort. That was all. Completely it wasn't. Completely legitimate. Completely yeah. legitimate. So you get to go back and say, tell me what the roadmap looks like in you. How do you, I just want more explicit understanding of how you work with this. Where do you think it's coming from? I am actually looking for more information from you because I don't want to be in the dark so much. Um, the piece you said a while back about for the preparation. So it sounds really good to me to think of all the possibilities. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I, I feel like maybe I heard you say to someone not too long ago, maybe a few weeks ago, that don't like resist the urge to think of all the possibilities of where of which way a situation upcoming situation could go that can be true sometimes okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember that situation but think of it i want you to think of it like this this is a little bit like walking into a garage with a whole bunch of tools and you being like but last week you told somebody to use a, a hammer for that nail. And today you're telling me to use the wrench to take it out. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes we use a hammer and sometimes we actually pull it out with a wrench. So these, every single thing that we could be doing in life, everything fits somewhere. So I can throw things out for you, but ultimately you can feel into what is feeling resonant for your situation because you have much more information about it than I do. and. Um, yes, sometimes if, if I'm really stuck in thinking of everything that could go wrong all the time and it's causing me distress and anxiety and I've actually gotten what I can from that, there's a point where I need to stop doing that. There's also a point where if I'm going to go into a high stakes conversation and I am not confident that I can field any response coming my way, I want to take some training time. I want to train for those moments. I want to be like, okay. If they turn it around on me, what's my next move? If they become dismissive of me, what is my next move? If they tell me that I'm becoming oppositional and defiant, what is my next move? So I want to actually surface the fears that I might have and make a plan for each of those fears that represent me showing up in a way that I want to show up. But I don't want to be doing that 24-7 and having that be all-consuming. How's that landing? That's good. That's great. Yeah. So which piece feels most alike for you right now? Like as you listen to all of the different ideas, do you have a sense of what your next wise move is? I, for myself, definitely, because I did a lot of journaling. I figured out what the needs are for me um, with the request. So yeah, my next move is to go with what you just said about 
Yeah, working out the 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 scenarios and probably doing some visualizing and feeling into the fear when it comes up and trying to work through some of that internally. Can I add one more thing that I'm just thinking about as I'm sort of sitting with this? Like, it sounds like you're saying you want a roadmap and a treatment plan and you want some sense of structure and clarity about what exactly you're doing and how you're doing it. And what this person has so far given back to you doesn't feel satisfying. And that you want to revisit that. And you're so that part of where my mind then goes is, is there something problematic about asking for a roadmap or a treatment plan? I might be asking the therapist that directly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, and I might say, this is what I think I heard you say. And it's not like a step-by-step process. And is there something um, problematic about asking for a step-by-step process in your point of view? But I'm, not, I'm really not asking for a step-by-step process. Yeah, I yeah. don't think it's a step-by-step process. Yeah. So and maybe I'm that's speaking. the part where yeah. not understanding and maybe I'm not articulating it. Yeah. Uh, a flexible, like we're going to, I don't, I don't, maybe that's it. I don't know how to explain it. It's like when you, when you travel somewhere, mm. you, you want to hit these highlights, you know, like I want to basically, these are my main things that I want to go to, but I know along the way I'll probably go here and some of this might pop up and some of that. So mm. yeah, I don't expect it to be linear. Um, I don't expect crazy stuff to pop up along the way and distractions and all that. I just don't want it to be so grab baggy. And you've said that. I can't even remember anymore. So I was uh, not as, I don't think I said all of that. I don't think I was given the opportunity. Uh So I love the idea that you're going to, you're preparing to go back and give yourself the opportunity to say more now that you have had a chance to think about it a little bit more and get clearer a little bit more. You have more information online and you can go back and advocate more for what it is you're trying to say and grapple a little longer with her. Yeah. And this 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 phrase that I just used, um, not given the opportunity to, I don't think that that's accurate or fair mm-hmm. um, because I had so much fear. I shut down and wasn't able to like stop her and say, wait, 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 <laughs> let's get yeah. back to this. Yeah. So I think had I been able to do that, mm-hmm. she, you know, maybe would have met me. So what's a better language than I wasn't given the opportunity to <laughs> I noticed myself shutting down and I needed a week or two to process and I have more clarity now and I'd like to come back to it. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was able to make myself as clear as I wanted and uh, I needed a little bit of time to think about it. And what I'd really like to do right now is come back to this thing that's really important to me. Here's what I've been thinking. Okay. So don't say you just totally bulldozed over me. Don't say that. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) The one relationship in your life where I would say, say whatever you want to say is with your therapist. Okay. Like if there is any relationship in your life where you should be able to go in and say, listen, you bulldozed me and shut me down last week and I didn't appreciate it. It should be your therapist. So that is the place where I would give yourself permission to try on all parts of who you are, all ways of expression. That is where you are. You are paying for a safe space to explore you. And uh, clients should not have to worry about the needs of their therapist when they are in therapy. We do that in all other relationships, but in therapy, that is where we undo that, ideally, in my world. That sounds really, really good. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I remember when I when I was in training as a young, ther- a, a, a less experienced therapist, I had a supervisor who would say to me, literally at the beginning of any uh, relationship with a client, you begin by making it normal for them to attack you, accuse you, show up however they want. You make it normal for this is the one place in your life where you do not have to be skillful. You do not have to worry about my feelings. You do not worry, have to worry about how you are impacting me. I am here to help you with all of your scrappiness as you are with all of the shit that you want to bring in. So bring it on because I will be the one person in your life that is not going to have issues with it. Now, not everybody works that way. (laughs) So just keep that peace of mind. And it felt very frightening to me to begin with, but it was incredibly useful training. It doesn't mean that we don't help people learn to care for both people. It doesn't mean that we let people just come in and abuse us. It doesn't mean, you know, that's not what I'm pointing to here, but it, 
the therapeutic relationship, in my opinion, should be a place where you get to be honest and you don't have to be so skillful and your therapist will help you get to know you and get what you're needing. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my two cents with a lot. I mean, like you guys, I could now give you a hundred disclaimers based on diagnosis, based on stage of development, based on, you know, like there are so many, but not in this case that I could now go through. So I'm just going to name that and say, this is a, this, this area is so complex. Take everything that I'm saying with a grain of salt, because not everything that I'm saying will apply to every situation. But in speaking with you, Mika, that is how I feel about you with your <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, um, good I, luck. Uh, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of um, space all in yeah. here. And yeah. yeah, listen, what I'm hearing in you is a lot of self-reflection, a lot of care for what it is that you're needing, a lot of ability to think about what might be happening for the other person a lot of generosity, tons of self-awareness about some of the things that are happening in your nervous system that you find inhibiting, that keeps you out of touch with your voice and your own wisdom in the moment, courage and a willingness to go back and grapple with something and advocate for something, bringing yourself back online. Like I'm hearing so many strengths and capacities that you're already bringing to this moment. Do you know those? <laughs> I appreciate hearing them. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Any clarifying questions on anything that you just heard? I feel like I potentially opened a can of worms there. Um, so if anybody has any like anything they want to clarify, let me know. Okay, good. Let's see. Let's move on. Okay. What is my friend needing and feeling when he says, I feel disrespected when you committed to dinner with me and then changed your mind and said not today? He said he does not feel hurt or sad. I wasn't sure where to go from there. Okay, Gray, do you want to chat or where are you? Hi, I'm here. Hi, welcome. Okay, so you had dinner plans and then you changed your mind. You weren't feeling it. Or you can tell me a little bit more about what that was about. And then he told you he feels disrespected. And now you're wondering where to go from there. Am I getting this right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Um, I had another priority i was working on something and trying to create something so i communicated to that uh, to him that he knows i have this other thing that i really care about that i'm trying to create and i felt inspired to do that in that moment and mm -hmm. that that that's what i was choosing to do instead mm -hmm. that didn't change how he felt mm -hmm. And I was trying to get to a point of where did where did that feeling of disrespect come from, or what was underneath that? Mm -hmm. And I, but I was having trouble because to me that sounds it sounds like a judgment, like you mm -hmm. felt I should have been doing something and mm -hmm. I wasn't doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to tease out what is it that he needed in that moment mm -hmm. that I wasn't meeting. Likely. Uh, likely, he wants to know that he's valued and that he matters, and he also wants trust in the predictability of agreements. Would either of those seem to fit? What's that? How, how do those land as a speculation? Uh, it rings true for someone to know that they're valued and that they matter, for him to know that he values and uh, he matters. And when we were talking about this, what I kind of came down to was, is it that you want me to say no as early as possible so that you can fill that space in a different way and not feel that emptiness? Hmm. Or is it that you want me to delay saying yes until I'm really sure, like much more confident that I can actually go and do something? And he said that he wanted to know as early as possible. Right. So where's the problem? I feel uncomfortable committing to something without feeling like I can change my mind mm -hmm. and and I feel that if I if I'm going to say no as early as possible most of the time the answer for me will be no because often I kind of need to have some time to settle into a situation and to feel comfortable with it okay so if I'm hearing you right I think what you're saying is to your friend Dear friend, I think we have a little dilemma and I'm not sure how to hold it. My understanding is when you make plans, 
you like to have some predictability. And when there's a, an agreement that we're doing something, you would like to be able to trust that agreement and you don't enjoy it when plans change at the last minute. Am I getting that right? And then I would check if that's his understanding. And then I would say, and then with me, I really love having spontaneity and being able to follow the urges as they arise in me. And often those are dynamic and they change over time. And I, I like having the freedom to change my mind about plans so that I can follow what feels most inspiring to me as time moves on. And when that happens with plans that you and I make, it creates a bit of a rift in our relationship. Is that right so far, Gray? Am I articulating that accurately or not? Yes. Okay. And then I might just put that on the table and say, you know, like at one point you might say, you know, do you see that differently? Would you say that differently? Are we capturing the dilemma in the same way? And if we assume that neither of us are doing anything wrong, how can you and I be in relationship with this difference in a way that works for both of us? Is there a possibility or not? And then I would sit together with the dilemma. What do you think about that? Sure, we can sit together with the dilemma and maybe come up with some requests that might make meet both of our needs or or something like that. Like, and, and some of the things that I came up with were uh, instead of just saying no, kind of soften that no to say, "Well, let's do it tomorrow night instead," and make alternative plans or something like that. But he still said no. But the bigger thing for me too is. This isn't just with him, right? Mm -hmm. In romantic relationships that I have, mm -hmm. it's also a challenge in those situations too. So this it's not something where I feel it's just in our relationship, but it's in how I interact in those intimate relationships mm -hmm. broad, more broadly too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And are you saying that the way is that as you're moving through time, you want to be able to follow whatever the impulse is in that moment and then other people's feelings get hurt? Or am I taking it in the wrong direction? Yeah, other people's feelings are hurt when I say no. Okay. And cha change a plan, especially when there's a commitment and then that changes. Okay. So when you make a commitment to people and then you change your mind about it, they have negative feelings about that. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. So I would make peace with that dynamic. The price of changing your mind at the last minute, if you've made an agreement with somebody who is relying on it and potentially looking forward to it, is that they will not enjoy it when you change your mind. And they will give you some kind of feedback that they do not enjoy that. That's the price of admission for changing your mind. Of course, you get to change your mind. And other people get to feel how they're going to feel about it. They don't prefer that. These people. You may find other people who are like, oh, thank God you changed your mind. I was feeling the same way. Like I, there, there could be a million different ways of responding to the same thing. But one step here is making peace with the fact that your friend isn't doing anything wrong by having the reaction he's having. It, some of these other relationships, no one's doing anything wrong. They're just letting you know who they are too. And that's okay. Or what am I missing? Like knowing the balance of when I care for someone else and their feelings in that way mm -hmm. versus when I pay that price of admission. Because I feel like if I pay that price of admission too much, mm -hmm. it, we just won't be able to have like an intimate relationship. Correct. This becomes... You know, what you're working with here is the felt sense experience of you showing up or not showing up. Get rid of the badness or goodness of it. You're, you're, you're showing up for something or you're not showing up for something. And if at the last minute you choose to show up for something else instead of what you had agreed on with another person, their reality is you didn't show up for a thing with them because you preferred something else. Just neutral. And you're right, if I choose other things over being with a person, then the quality of the relationship with the person will decrease by nature of my not being in the relationship with the person because there's a different thing that I am finding more interesting over here that I'm prioritizing in that moment. Does that 
Makes sense or not? It makes sense. It makes sense. It feels a bit like I'm I'm caring for my own needs or like desires in the short term, but maybe in the long term, the more important needs like my need to be cared for and to be connected and, and things like that. I'm not really caring for those needs when I make decisions like that repetitively. Yeah. So this is a part of you asking yourself, okay, what are all of the needs that I'm consciously serving or not serving? And what am I really motivated for in the short term and the long term? And how can I bring more of that into my awareness in these moments so that I can really make my decisions based on where my real priorities lie? Am I hearing that right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. I would agree with that. Is that helpful or not? Yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I I enjoyed going through that thoughtically with you in that sense. That was actually quite enriching for me as well. So thank you for your question. Mm. Yeah. yeah. If another layer comes up, bring it back and we can keep working with it. Sounds great. Thank you for being here today. It's always a pleasure to kick off the new year with you. Sign up for the Boundaries course if you haven't taken it. I hope to see you in there. And I hope to see you back next week. So have a great week, everybody. Happy New Year. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Just a friendly reminder, if this episode resonated with you, please share with your family, friends, and coworkers. And if these conversations leave you wanting more, please consider joining my monthly membership program where you can join me live to keep growing with a community of open-hearted, like-minded people just like you. There are more free resources, including a quiz to help you assess your preferred listening style at yvetteerasmus.com and a lot of free videos on my YouTube channel. Remember, personal growth is a journey and not a destination. So please keep loving up all your awkward, messy and imperfect parts as you go. See you next time.